Welcome to Until the Bell Rings. I'm your writer, teacher, host, Crystal J. My goal is to bridge the gap between teachers and learners by acknowledging that we are all both. And the only way to do that is through real conversations. One of the things my students always want to explore and understand better is race dynamics, a tough subject to talk about, but a vital one to examine. So this season, I'm sharing stories of my own experience as a black woman teaching at a private school. And as always, I'm doing it through poetry. Today, I talk about the importance of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. So join me on a spoken word journey through the hallowed hallways of my high school. I feel most comfortable with my coffee on my porch before the day is scorching by myself with my thoughts. Thoughts like, so far, so good, until I get somewhere and talk to someone and get misunderstood. Or, why do tears seem to be lurking behind my sleepy eyes when just last night I felt like there was no limit for me, not even the sky? Or thoughts like, I just want to stay here, to avoid the whole day here where there is no one judging and there's no risk I'll fail in this safe place, in this space, in my home, this space in time. With the soft gleam of the morning sun, even on starry nights, I like to resign here. Trade my coffee in for wine here, but my dreams, they do not become mine here because my capacity is confined here in my comfort zone. Devoid of opportunity to hone my ability to rise to the challenge, to survive the imbalance of a life truly pursued to venture to places where I have to be shrewd when chaos ensues, where a hard enough day can leave me subdued, wishing the world would bend just once to the will of my delicate mood, where my intentions are masterfully misconstrued, where the brown of my skin is enough to preclude me from belonging or even respect, the places in life where I've come to expect that simply my presence is enough to infect the joy in the room with dis-ease. A black cloud of doom I displease when my disposition doesn't convey submission. Where my biggest supporters become my opposition when I challenge tradition, me, and my ambition for equitable conditions. Mission not probable. Mission almost impossible. Almost because first and foremost, by withstanding your most callous acts in a space where you can attack but I can't react, everywhere my spirit fractured, it healed stronger at the cracks. And those character gaps where I used to lack, I was forced and fortunate to grow and adapt, and it has been uncomfortable. But it was in the throes of that discomfort that my fortitude became fact. It is in the discomfort zone you come into your own. You get to atone for your shortcomings and your misgivings through compassionate living and listening and learning. 
by concerning yourself with the well-being of others, by conjuring courage to help those who suffer, it is in the discomfort zone where you thrive, where you experience what it means to be fully alive, where you drive out doubt by achieving your goals, where you derive satisfaction by heeding the cries of your soul. But it can be draining and leave your light waning. So I may retreat to my porch to reignite my torch, but my fire's purpose only comes to the surface when I'm facing fears and forging frontiers on days I'm being brave, not trying to save myself from feeling uncomfortable. Because in my comfort zone, with just the beat of my solo drum, there is no one else there for me to learn from. In my comfort zone, when I'm on my own, avoiding the unknown, time just passes as I get older. My comfort zone has never made me bolder or better able to shoulder the burden of responsibility for my own destiny. For me to charge into discomfort is to choose to invest in me. I love my comfort zone, but I couldn't hide there. I would have just died there. I ran across an article recently entitled, Want to be successful? Don't chase success, chase discomfort. Full disclosure, I saved the article and had every intention of going back to read it, but I never did. Still, the headline stuck with me. Chase discomfort. What a horrifying thought, right? Who in their right mind would go out of their way to seek discomfort other than apparently successful people? The more I thought about it, though, my most gratifying moments and gratifying in that I felt a sense of pride and satisfaction, not necessarily pleasure, have come on the heels of me being uncomfortable, but proceeding anyway. From a very young age, pretty much everything I tried came easy to me. Do you know what happened as a result? Ease became my comfort zone. And no matter how bright of a shining star a person is, at some point, It gets hard. When that started happening for me, I just avoided challenges and hardship at all costs. For the longest time, when friends would struggle with something or fail in some area, they would tell me, you don't understand. Everything comes so easy to you. You're successful at everything. Well, it only appeared that way because I designed my life that way. By not taking chances, by pursuing only what I felt comfortable with. I set myself up for success. It wasn't until I stopped doing that and started taking chances that I actually felt excited about my accomplishments because I earned them. This also meant that I was pretty late learning to grapple with feeling uncomfortable, which kept me from speaking up in the face of discrimination at my school much earlier. It was very uncomfortable for me to have conversations with the administration about separating the black students into different rooms during admissions testing. But I learned a lot about myself and it ultimately led to my position as director of diversity and inclusion. My frustrations and quite frankly failures within that position led me to needing an outlet, which is why I started my podcast. Sharing my writing publicly 
is so uncomfortable. It's why I'd never done it before. But being able to focus my energy on a creative outlet that celebrated my students saved me. If you remember, the first season was more about my observations of the students. And then toward the end of that season, I took a big risk, honestly, the most uncomfortable I have ever felt, and started to talk about my experience as a black woman working in a private school. Every time I hit post episode, I experience visceral discomfort, a wave of what ifs wash over me like a cold shower. It sucks. But like a cold shower makes you more resilient to illness and helps to heal past trauma, posting each episode makes me more resilient to discomfort and also heals me from past trauma. I should add that the supposed effectiveness of cold showers is pure speculation on my part, as it turns out I do have my limits and those limits begin at cold showers. No, thank you. Not because I can't, but because I don't want to. I say this to say, I understand the desire to be comfortable, and it is my belief that that desire prevents the principal at my school from embracing the work of making it a more equitable environment. I have spent a lot of time trying to understand why making progress in the area of inclusion and belonging is so difficult, why it is seemingly impossible to convey the path of harm and hurt that is left behind in the wake of discrimination and exclusion. It's confounding because I never got the sense that it was a product of outright hate or dislike for people of color. The more I look back at it and um, frame it within a different context, the more it makes sense. It's all about comfort. The fact is, the principal is comfortable with people of color only when they are in a position to, or at least willing to, defer to her superior experience. However, it seems she never stops to consider that in some cases, her experience, her white experience, is not superior. Or maybe she does, but is unable to communicate with others or make decisions in a way that reflects that. Let me explain how I arrived at this conclusion. And I feel okay sharing this because not only was I told this information directly, I know that she used to share it with her classes when she taught history as a means to show progress is possible and people can grow. The principal grew up in Tennessee in a small town where the only black person she knew was her family's maid. This maid was coincidentally also the only adult she was permitted to call by their first name. Now, I would never hold that against anyone. You can't help where you come from. You can overcome where you come from. You can grow up, experience the world and take a broader perspective and a more open mind and accepting heart. You can do all of that. But how you grew up is just how you grew up and try as we might It is really hard to unlearn the ideas that have been instilled in us. It stands to reason that no matter how much progress we make, there are some deep-rooted beliefs that reveal themselves in our actions without our knowing. So while I can say confidently that she's come a long way from those days, it's very much on a relative scale. 
I think back to her shutting down the reading of Stamped and Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Her exact words were, I just don't want anyone to be uncomfortable. We're educators. We, more than anyone, should understand that growth requires discomfort. Understanding requires discomfort, unease. And this is not a condemnation of a person, but of an action. Furthermore, the reality is she didn't want anyone white to be uncomfortable. That's the other thing about comfort. It's subjective. Comfort is dependent upon your perspective. And in the aforementioned scenario, when you're banning books, the comfort of black students and parents are not being taken into consideration. Here's the truth. If any members of the community have to be uncomfortable, it's going to have to be the black people because she can't feel that. And I guess discomfort you can't feel doesn't count. I'll give you an example from just last week. We had home running week, which is like homecoming week for the spring. We also do hoop week in the winter. And just like homecoming week, we have lunchtime activities, competitions, and dress down days. We always seem to have at least one tone deaf dress down day related incident. I think I mentioned already that during homecoming week, it was not letting them have a decades day because they didn't want students representing 90s hip hop culture because it's not an image we want to portray. But then we went ahead with country versus country club. This time, it was tacky tourist day, which didn't have to be an issue. It just became one because our lack of consistency exposed the principal's bias, exposed that when convenient, we lean on policy to target black culture, to prevent anyone from feeling uncomfortable, or at least anyone white. So during hoop week, we had pajama day. On pajama day, you can wear pajamas to school. The principal made it a point to get on the speaker in the morning and remind everyone that there are no hats allowed in the building. As a result, that means no sleep caps or bonnets. All right, fast forward to home running week. We have tacky tourist day. There are kids in the building wearing hats all over the place. And I even said, remember, we're not allowed to wear hats in the building. To which they replied, the principal said it's okay. Now, in and of itself, not a bad thing. I don't even care about wearing hats in the building. However, there is an inconsistency there. So I went to the principal and I explained to her, if you have a policy of no hats in the building, it has to apply to all dress down days. It can't just be on the dress down day where black students want to wear their sleep caps or bonnets to school because then it seems like you're targeting black culture. Now, you should know I struggled with whether or not I should say anything if for no other reason than the principal's office is one of those places I spoke about in my poem. The places in life where I've come to expect that simply my presence is enough to infect the joy in the room with unease, a black cloud of doom I displease. It's chilling. It's very hard to walk in there. But once a few students mentioned it to me, I felt like it was my responsibility to use this as an opportunity to provide like another perspective in real time. 
I laid it all out there while she looked at me like I had two heads, providing the occasional obligatory active listening nod, and essentially said, I can see where someone would feel that way. Thank you for your feedback. Y'all, she wouldn't engage. No discourse took place. If one doesn't even feel comfortable enough to have a conversation, where is the hope there? The principal's goal seems to be avoiding feeling discomfort at all costs. And the price is everyone else's to pay. To aggressively pursue your own comfort when there is a diverse group of hundreds of young people in your care is wrong. It's also a missed opportunity to learn and grow, which is what education is all about. This is why inclusion and belonging should be the priority on campus for all of us. Chase your comfort and limit yourself. Lean into your discomfort and we can all grow together. Become better together. Well, that does it for today. It has been my pleasure to share with you and I hope to do so again next week in the season finale. Join me for some more poetry and prose about navigating my teaching journey, not just as a black woman, but as a person who believes in the power of inclusion. I'm Crystal J, and thank you for listening to Until the Bell Rings. <laughs>